Welcome to Transition Gadget 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode we are going to be talking about PC game pricing in India. Rishi's Zelda review and PS4 games being available on the PC. As usual we have a stellar lineup of people talking on this podcast regulars Rishi Alwani greetings ladies and gentlemen Mikhail Madnani hi and i'm your host pranay parab so we will start with this pc gaming debacle in india apparently prices for some pc games have actually been doubled so which of you wants to talk about this so yeah so you sh- now it's really weird because off late we've been talking about pc games quite a bit on this podcast earlier we discussed how you can get them cheap surely you can check out that episode which i think pranay will link in the notes or description below yep uh shameless plug aside uh the situation right now is ubisoft and Warner Brothers two of the bigger publishers of PC games in India have raised their prices on their games coming up Shadow of War which is a sequel to Shadow of Mordor 2 from from which is a Lord of the Rings game is now going to be 4000 rupees on PC let me let that sink in for a minute because 4000 bucks is more than what you'd pay for the PS4 version of the game the PS4 version should be 3499 but yeah 4000 uh the same applies to Ubisoft Ubisoft stuff like uh For Honor and Ghost Recon Wildlands, uh, before launch and uh, before launch you could pre-order them for seventeen ninety nine, and now as of last week they've been priced at three four nine nine, almost fifty percent hike. So, yeah, hundred percent hike. Hundred percent, yeah. I, my math is bad. Hundred <laughs> percent hike, uh, and to make matters even more perplexing, uh, other sites like Origin, Origin, which is an EA based storefront. Uh, also sells third-party games from Warner Brothers and Ubisoft. On Origin, you can pick up uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands for two thousand rupees. So there's a very weird pricing situation going on because if we look at UPlay, which is Ubisoft's own storefront, you're paying in dollars, which is like sixty dollars. There's no rupee pricing. So and it's really weird because Ubisoft have been one of the better publishers in India for PC games. The games have done done reasonably well in the past. and uh, to to see this price hike with no reason mind you i've been after ubisoft for an explanation for the last 3 4 days we haven't got a response yet is perplexing same with warner brothers we've been after them for an explanation as well no response yet also perplexing but hopefully things sort themselves out because if this is what it's going to be then it's it's really tough to justify building a pc yeah that is true uh, mike do you have any thoughts on this any speculations as to why they've increased the price so uh Ubisoft recently I mean not recently about 6 months ago they stopped doing retail games on PC in India and uh, like attending a lot of midnight launches I've seen a lot of people buy their games physically even though you can buy them on Steam uh, so them having pulled out of that is a big deal because you need to download the full game now <clears throat> and now seeing this like uh, I really don't know what to say about Ubisoft because like uh, you're charging essentially the same as what you're paying on console and uh, we know ubisoft sales uh, ps4 makes up a bulk of ubisoft sales for every game anyway so i'm not really sure why they did this to india but they've only increased the price in india out of all the low tier priced countries and that to only on pc right yeah yeah the console pricing is still the same in fact uh, on the console side of things uh, their distributor now gives everyone deluxe editions for the price of a standard edition so you essentially get like a map and a soundtrack and some dlc when you pay for a standard edition and on pc you're just getting this like 
a full download from with nothing basically and yeah what's interesting in this is uh, it also just funnels into the fact that fine while we know that the playstation 4 is the top dog it also makes any form of uh, competition really tough i mean as an end user as a gamer what are your options you either build a 60k machine and then end up paying the same price a pc a, a console owner pays or you buy a 60k machine and end up buying games on sale which are what two or three times a year uh and it just means that there are so few the problem is when people don't buy games at launch on day one it's tough for companies to maintain profitability profitability it's also why we're seeing fewer story driven triple a games in the market right now if you think about it a lot of games either have an online component or a persistent open world or reduce emphasis on story for focus on co-op and stuff like that and then we have and then it just results to worse quality product because you know less people are buying to a degree So I mean it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out because if this is the state of the business going now on PC it just could we could be and we could end up for a very shocking state of affairs going forward at least when it comes to those large single player narrative driven experiences so like just going back to the Warner Brothers thing uh Shadow of War is listed at 399 which is a little more expensive than the console version by 500 but it's still uh, around $60 if you do a rough conversion with lego worlds the cheapest it was ever according to steam db was 335 rupees when it was in early access and now it's actually gone up to 200 2750 which makes it more expensive than the us version by 30% so essentially if you want to buy lego worlds on pc in india you're paying nearly 2800 and you can pick up a console version for 1500 and lego games have usually been priced cheaper in india compared to other places in fact pc gamers have enjoyed a 499 price tag on lego games but there's no physical lego games anymore so now they have to suffer so which again brings me to the next thing you're saying pc gamers in in uh, pc gamers have enjoyed lego games at 499 rupees i mean there's an asterisk over there which could mean uh, re-exporters yeah, and could mean people go. who buy to make profits but <laughs> you report you so i mean obviously i mean let's be honest here man at 499 rupees region free yeah. i don't know how many are actually sold here at the end of the day That's and true. and this is something which is a known com- problem with doing business in india we've seen this in the past with bioshock infinite sims Which I mean that's Sim why City. 2K raised their prices to 2499. Yeah, so I mean at the end of the day there has to people have to the publishers have to reach a point where it's feasible for both parties. It has to be in a situation where people are able to where it's affordable but there's no there's no nonsense like re-export happening. And with Steam that is possible. You have region locking. It's a very effective tool that's been used. Uh you have anti-piracy measures. I mean Denuvo's been a big deal for a lot of gamers who don't want to buy games based on Denuvo. But at the end of the day Doom removed it. Bethesda who's usually one of the most merciless publishers when it comes to things like that. Removed Denuvo from Doom. That hasn't impacted sales one bit. So there are options and there are ways to make sure that both parties are taken care of consumers and publisher goals it's just that right now it's it's mostly skewed towards the publisher which it shouldn't be so yeah i mean it's just a very weird state of affairs yeah so just to clarify things for people these yeah. these are not all publishers that have raised their prices right so it all started uh, last year with uh, 2k 2k increased price on actually not last year 2015 actually when 2k increased price of uh, GTA 5 on PC at 2499 and because it saw good sales with that it uh, carried forward with XCOM 2 it carried forward with No XCOM 2 was 999 Oh sorry XCOM 2 XCOM 2 was an exception to the rule though because it had a lot of DRM and uh, runtime restrictions 
बट अदर देन एक्सकॉम टू एवरीथिंग दे रिलीज हैज बिन एट लीस्ट वन ट्रिपल नाइन और टू फोर या सो एक माफिया थ्री ऑल्सो माफिया थ्री फर्स्ट वॉज नाइन नाइनटी नाइन फॉर लाइक अ डे और टू वन प्री ऑर्डर देन मूव टू टू फोर नाइन नाइन दैट्स इज क्रेजी No, so point is, it's worked for them, yeah. and I'm sure what's happening is, uh, see, it's very easy for one publisher to get an idea of other publishers' numbers because all you have to do is subscribe to Steam Spy. So I'm sure someone did that and saw the math and got greedy, and that's not working well because at the end of the day, there's a reason why people in India still keep playing Counter Strike and Dota Two. Dota Two is free. Counter Strike's four ninety nine, or nine ninety, yeah, four ninety nine or six ninety nine. So my point is. If you want to compete, you either keep the price down and region lock the crap out of it, which usually works, or you uh, or, or you make sure your game is so good that people will pay anything, as the case of GTA V. And I don't know. I just think it's a, it's it's a very it's detrimental to user experience because if if we compare to China, because I mean let's be honest here, as much as 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 facetious as every India China comparison has been, let's just make one anyway. Uh, the China price for Watch Dogs Two is thirty five dollars. Why the hell should we pay three four nine nine? And considering we have like what close to two million PCs, it's a problem, right? It shouldn't I, be. I, this I way. think uh, they're looking at the amount of people who actually buy their games on Steam being really small, and they they've been like they at least Ubisoft's testing the water with Ghost Recon and For Honor by making it because one sale at three four nine nine is worth a lot more than two sales at one seven nine nine. Agreed, but then when you have the possibility to do a lower price with region locking and increase volumes, why not? I mean, I agree with what you're saying completely, and from a business standpoint, it's perfectly sound and valid. Because then you like uh, there are a lot of people, at least I know a few who live in the US and are using quote unquote India Steam prices. So uh, this like saves them even more losses in the long run. And uh, like I, we keep looking at Ubisoft's like the yearly sales numbers and all. PC is very small compared to Xbox and PS4, so they can just test all this stuff and just take a call. and yeah. see what works for them and what doesn't because like ghost recon did phenomenally well in the uk uh so we'll have to see how it does over here now but i'm not expecting anything yeah. to change uh square enix increasing the price starting with nier automata which we'll get to in a bit was a little surprising because this is like a very niche game and uh like seeing them increase this to 199 when it's you could if you know where to look you can get the console limited edition for like 2499 which still work yeah so uh, this is good it's going to be interesting now to see how this pans out yeah so which publishers are not a part of this whole price jacking price hijacking all thing? the big ones are now i think yeah it's reached the point see if we if you look at the history of how price has increased for indian gamers we've always had two peop- two publishers who always kept it high to begin with that was uh Activision and Bethesda—they never dropped from a U.S. dollar-style pricing, even after the introduction of a Indian rupee on Steam, and even after the introduction of region locking and all that. They never dropped. Um, people who've just re- who've gotten on the bandwagon after that was EA in 2014, where there was a massive outrage around it, where uh, Indian gamers essentially used a hashtag called uh, EAP uh, EAPC India. to voice their discontent over the fact that uh, pricing was 3499 at the time it was a, it was a valid uh, the outrage was valid but that didn't drop price at all instead ea what ea did was basically double down on sales so if you're smart you can actually wait a few months a cup a month or two and get titanfall to at half price right now so that was another publisher who did it in 2013 2014 2015 uh, was relatively quiet konami in fact kept their prices low for a majority of that time to the point where uh after it released metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain 
uh, suckers like me who pre-ordered the game on Steam paid $60. But after the local release, they dropped it to $9.99 on Steam. So you have things like that that have happened. But right now, we're seeing a resurgence in a, in a hike of price, which doesn't make sense because we already have local pricing. Uh, we already have local payment options. Uh, sure, the numbers, it's going to take a while for the market to catch up. It's going to take a while for people to choose games to buy. But if you don't give the market the chance, uh, you're killing it right now. But I don't know. I think it's a business call at the end of the day. I'd have to agree with Mike and say, yeah, I mean, it's better to have someone at 3499 than someone at 999 especially if they're willing to pay. Yeah, sad but true. So that segues very nicely into the other um, topic of discussion that is with regards to Mass Effect. What is going on with these <laughs> microtransactions? So Mass Effect Andromeda, which is out uh, on the 16th, if you're an EA Access or Origin Access subscriber, EA Access for the Xbox One, Origin Access for PC. Uh, it's basically the new game in, in the Mass Effect series, which is, uh, I am kind of much, uh, pretty much a fanboy of that at this stage. So uh, Mass Effect 3 introduced something really cool, which was a co-op multiplayer, and it was amazingly good. Uh, you could actually, you, you'd, it was essentially like Firefight or Horde mode from Gears of War, where you and three other friends would gang up against waves and waves of enemies. And they were, this was quite addictive and fun to play. So they've built upon that with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. And uh, now, sadly, and this is what I was, was saying earlier, right? You're seeing fewer single-player-only experiences. You're seeing online components bolted in. And yes, in the case of Mass Effect 3 back in the day, the multiplayer made sense from a design standpoint because how you played in multiplayer impacted the outcome of your single-player game to some degree because uh, as we all know, the ending of Mass Effect 3 didn't exactly keep everyone extremely happy. <laughs> Let's not even go there. So, so yeah, so now the point is with uh, Andromeda, they've doubled down on multiplayer. It's a big, it's a, it's a part of it. Thankfully, your what you do in multiplayer doesn't impact your single player experience. So kudos to Bioware for finally listening. But what's interesting is that there's a lot of microtransactions ranging up to nine, uh, $99. What? Uh, like yeah, thousand dollars, ninety nine dollars, ninety nine dollars, eighty pounds, eighty pounds, eighty pounds. Okay, and uh, they're called Andromeda points, which you need to you know buy in game weapons and items, and it's just uh, it, it seems to be done in the fashion similar to Overwatch's loot box system, where you don't know what you're gonna get to a large degree. Now, from a business standpoint. Uh, this has worked for EA in the past. We've seen this work with Ultimate Team. Yep. And Ultimate Team has been a phenomenal money spinner. But I'm not so sure something like this could translate too well to Mass Effect because Ultimate Team has that real-life tangibility to it because you, you you care about football players. You care about clubs. So I don't know how this will translate. But, uh, I mean, personally, I, I think it's... I, I don't think it's actually fair for a game to have for a game that's a that's a 60 dollar purchase to have microtransactions but that's without me knowing if these microtransactions actually impact gameplay in a good way or not for all you know this just could be cosmetic this we don't know whether this is really going to impact gameplay just yeah yet. like overwatch yeah like overwatch is purely cosmetic so if it's purely cosmetic great but if it's not then i think there are going to be some concerns going forward mike what are your thoughts i mean uh, it starts with just cosmetics but then, like, we've seen Activision pretty much add pay-to-win elements to remastered Modern Warfare in, uh, what is it, Assault Cases or Supply Drops, I yes, think they called yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, Microsoft is totally in your face in Forza with this stuff. Like, in Forza 6, it pissed me off to the point where I wanted to break the disc. But since I bought a digital code from someone on this podcast, I just could tear that piece of paper. So, uh, 
I don't I think with Mass Effect they'll take a call after they see how people start spending on it because right now it'll probably be cosmetics because they don't want to piss off a lot of people but they'll slowly make it pay to win. But then again this is all part of the multiplayer and not anything to do with the single player so let's see. But as of now the only official info there is is shop2.net which is a UK retailer has listed the prices for these so you can buy them or you can pre-order and romeda points or whatever that that's is. very imaginative of them i mean that, but then like i said bioware is no stranger to this they've done stuff like bioware points in the past so the fact that and the fact that ea hasn't announced it yet and we are we're hearing it from a third party retailer like shop2 means that to me at least seems like ea is little afraid of the backlash on this if at all i mean uh, with uh, microsoft does this every time right in uh, microtransactions are invisible to reviewers and they show up in like a small day one update <laughs> when consumers suddenly have the stuff thrown in their face so yeah we even saw this with dsx mankind divide yeah yeah uh, reviewers had no yeah. clue there were microtransactions but a small day one patch on a, on console and on pc suddenly enabled praxis points i think yeah that's what happened them. so yeah. and which is really tragic because games like these don't even need it I mean, it's a single-player experience like Deus Ex: Mankind Divided didn't need any of it. And now the franchise is in like a crisis. I'd call it thanks to the certain publisher. So it's not in crisis. As a fan of Deus Ex as well, I can say clearly that it's dead. <laughs> okay, it's dead. that was rough. Yeah. So I mean, in this, I think we can see a couple of uh, broad trends happening in the PC or console AAA game industry. One is that there are uh, online single-player campaigns, which is a very worrying trend, which we've mentioned before. Secondly, there are these microtransactions, which is a worrying thing that's translated from the mobile gaming world to the PC world. So and also to the console world. So in the future, are we going to see more of these um, online single-player campaigns? I mean, everything is going to move to games as a service, as they call it, because. that's where you earn the maximum profit from it works for some developers and publishers it doesn't for others like uh, it it clearly worked well for square enix with hitman but then they kept giving quality content throughout the life cycle and they're still adding more stuff but uh, i can't see it working well for for honor like i have a feeling that things going free to play very soon i uh, the way i see it is uh, it's 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 depend on the game a lot as well because it's not uh, i mean the the beauty of having a number of formats to play around with and do is that there are some publishers who have still made a lot of money on platforms like the vita which is essentially dead for a lot of other for a lot of other game makers we're seeing a lot of developers seeing good traction on the switch which has only has 1.5 million install base but there are some who are, who are seeing some good traction there as well it's reached a point where even smaller developers uh who we didn't make money on the digital release of the game but made money on physical releases that's something we heard when 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 we spoke to uh, limited run games who's a boutique uh, retailer of games so they the, so uh, firewatch which was one of our favorite games of last year perfect score uh, ended up getting a physical release through limited run and uh, that sold out and uh, that's what and then you have guys in the system who are still going to make physical product available because there is a demand no matter how small so i i wouldn't write off uh, existing experience is going away but i would rather see an inf- i i do think we're going to reach a stage where we're going to see more independent developers taking up the mantle of those good narrative single player experiences basically double a is going to replace triple a for single player and triple a is going to move into exploiting as much money as they can out of you uh with or without delivering something worth paying for yeah. the way i've seen it yeah. yeah i mean this year we saw uh 
Titanfall, Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare all have campaigns which a lot of people like. These were single player offline experiences. But Battlefield has good multiplayer. Call of Duty's multiplayer apparently isn't doing too well for them. Titanfall 2 multiplayer basically failed. But then they still are doing single player because they noticed the demand. At least Doom showed them. So I think uh, it's it's in the end it's just going to be about the multiplayer. But it at least it looks like the biggest publishers are still not giving up completely. Ubisoft, I'd say, is a lost cause based on what they did with For Honor. So, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Ghost Recon Wildlands is pretty good. So, yeah. All right. So, another thing you uh, mentioned along the way, perfect score. Uh, there's some game which you reviewed recently, Rishi, which did not get a perfect score. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So, there's this game. I don't know. You guys might have heard of it. It released on Nintendo Switch and the Wii U. I think it's this little game called the Super Lich- Bomberman R, right? No, man. Super Bomberman R was Switch exclusive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's called The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, really? Never yeah. heard of this game, man. So, um, we gave it a 7 and with good reason. Well, I think it part of it had to do with the fact that, I mean, for most of this generation, the output from a lot of AAA guys has been open world. So, when you think Nintendo is going to do it, there'd be some differentiation. But what we essentially got was Ubisoft's greatest hits of open world tropes in the Zelda universe. So you'd actually have to, like in, in Ubisoft games, you'd have to go up to a tower to unlock parts of the map. Same thing you have to do here. Then it borrowed a bit from games like Dark Souls where there's weapon durability, where uh, your weapons break. Yeah, that is really annoying. When I was playing, I played for like hardly one and a half hour or so, so far. And in that itself, already my tree branch broke, my arrows were like running out and then the bow was breaking. What what is going on? So here's the thing, right? Like weapon durability is a mechanic which a lot of games implement. But they also give you a way to repair your weapons, right? But with Breath of the Wild, that's not the case. Once they're broken, they're broken. With the exception of the Master Sword. The Master Sword uh, recharges after 10 in-game minutes for you to use again. But it just takes away from the fun, right? Because uh, each weapon has a... Because Breath of the Wild follows real-world physics, each weapon has its own weight and feel. What it means is there's a reason... uh, That explains why, at the end of the day... An axe has a different weight and timing for an attack versus a sword or a tree branch. Now, stuff like tree branches, stuff like clubs, okay, fine. You'd expect them to break, right? They'd follow real-world rules. But you're trying to tell me there's not a single blacksmith or for, uh, blacksmith in Hyrule capable of forging a weapon that doesn't break after four or five swings? That's just off. That's just like completely off. And it takes away from the fun because what happens is The reason why combat is such a great part of a lot of games is a sense of rhythm and familiarity you get along with each hit. It's a sense of satisfaction to it. It's exactly why a game like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta at a very primal level is extremely fun to play because of the way the combat interacts. It's smooth, it's fluid, it's flexible, it's fun. Because you get used to the weapons, you get better with that. It's like like playing Super Hexagon where there's a certain, there's a certain, you're in the, you're in a zone when you're in combat. And that is something this Zelda game does not do. Because after a couple of hits, when you think you're in the zone, your weapon breaks. And you have to go into a menu and switch him out. So it, it reaches a point where you want to avoid combat altogether. You're playing it like, you know, a stealth game in a way where you just want to stay away from everything in the world. And that's the, and, and for a game that promises quote-unquote freedom, 
that's not freedom at all it's just limiting it's it's narrowing yeah the switching vision. weapon thing was really really irritating because i mean these things should happen automatically right you shouldn't have to like for example if i have say three swords one of them breaks the player links should automatically take out the other sword yeah right? but he doesn't and you yeah. can't even use your hands so it's a, it's, a, it's yeah a, the i mean he looks very frail but that doesn't mean that he can't punch a monster at all That's he's a high rule knight I mean, if we go by the game's lore, the guy is supposed to be pretty badass. So I, I don't know a lot of inconsistencies that way. And for example, you can even scale any mountain top, which is amazing. That's something even Skyrim couldn't do properly. But the problem is you're limited by your stamina. Now you can increase your stamina. Like so, if you if you like, I think if you go if you try climbing a mountain halfway through, you'll probably fall down because your stamina decreases. And you only regenerate stamina when you're idle, not when you're like holding on to a cliff. it's not like your stamina regenerates then no so to you can increase your stamina like you can increase your hearts but in order to do so you need to visit shrines and you need to solve puzzles in shrines so if you finish four shrines you get one wish which lets you increase your stamina or your health one of the two not both so the game has 120 shrines it's just padded as hell man it's just completely padded you just have to it ends up being busy work it ends up being rote it ends up being boring and it's not how it should be in my opinion because if we, if i compare it to past zelda games uh they had their fair amount of you know backtracking and stuff but then they never reached a point of tedium and this is what worries me by embracing open world mechanics to such a degree but not giving you the freedom from the outset and limiting you in terms of stats is where it's kind of messed up because even metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain it had a lot of issues as a game but you never once did you feel that you know venom snake was underpowered so i i think that's where it went wrong yeah i love open world rpgs i mean uh, I, there's no doubt that you know that's by far my favorite uh, genre of games but when the grinding really starts that's when things really start to get to me i mean and yeah. that's something which you did really well right yeah. you never felt like it was a grind everything yeah. you did if you pro- progressed through the course course storyline you never felt underpowered it was just well balanced and it was a lot of fun to play they did that right from witcher 1 in 2007 yep. So that's just crazy how they managed it. And you know, in Witcher, they even let you play "quote unquote" story mode, where I think you don't need to worry about the oil you apply on your sword and the sword type when you attack enemies. Yeah, which is a big part of the gameplay, which are, which people complain about. But yeah, they allow you to do that. I don't think is there a difficulty mode selection in this? Yeah. Oh, there is. There in uh, Zelda. No, in Zelda, no. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of takes away from some of the. good things but i mean apart from weapon durability and that stamina. you know padding you mentioned yeah. the yeah, stamina and all of that is there a good game lying in there like uh, is it like an 8 on 10 if those two things are I fixed mean, or honest, is it 10 on 10 that's actually a good question i mean yeah it would have been close to an 8 at least if if they if those two things were fixed or done in a fashion that was palpable yeah because i mean let let's be honest your games of uh, the zelda zelda shown off in 2013 all right uh and fine it was a trying time for nintendo they probably pushed back release for the switch but at the end of the day look at what we've had in the interim right we've had witcher 3 we've had fallout 4 we've had horizon zero dawn uh, oh, so are you naming like one good and one alternately terrible game i like fallout, fallout 4 <laughs> okay it was a good Shit, game that just lost you all credibility <laughs> with the zelda if you damn it no just kidding i wouldn't care i played wind waker and and link's awakening and ocarina of time and majora's mask and twilight princess and uh, skyward sword so okay yeah impressive cv not really <laughs> they they just games man so um at the end of it i mean yeah you, you've had so many games in the interim right you even had final fantasy 15 which to its credit extremely flawed but still fun so 
my point is the bar has been raised yep. and uh, there's also a reason why at the end of the day uh, a, a lot of Ubisoft titles have themselves ha- have gone past the trope. Watch Dogs 2 example was, was quite good in that regard where you never feel underpowered to begin with. It's still fun to play. So I don't know. I just think that Nintendo could have brought more to the table and especially when you're looking at the Switch launch. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was really excited to play um, this game, but now that you've mentioned it in your review that there are so many issues, maybe I'll delay it a bit. Now, the game I'm looking forward to on the Switch is still Super Mario, um, I mean, Mario Kart 8, sorry, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So, let's see how that goes. Hopefully, that's not a 7 on 10. I'm pretty sure that's going to be at least a 9 because so far, I think he really likes the Wii U version and this is basically that but enhanced and more content. The Wii U version was god dear. It was just so good so to So yeah, play. this basically looks better, runs better, has all the content. It has more content, more tracks. So I cannot see this getting less than a 9 unless for some reason the online functionality is limited because we're in India. We, we'll only know. We'll know about that actually sooner. With yeah. this, Hopefully with this Platoon test fire, uh, we might know about that sooner. So let's see. But that's looking really good. Yeah, so I think we should very, very quickly mention this whole uh, PS4 games being available on PC. What is that about? So, uh, Sony has a service called PlayStation Now. Why is it PS Now? Why, I mean, there's NVIDIA's GeForce Now, all these game streaming services, why are they now? I think GeForce Now is after PS Now. Yeah, I think so as well. It's the same time. But anyway, point is, uh, PlayStation Now is essentially a streaming service like Netflix, but for games. And Sony has put a lot of their PS3 titles on it. Now, what they use, what, what what you do is for a monthly subscription, uh, you can play, you, you can stream and play games to your PS4 or, or PC. In the past, they let you do this also on the PS3 and Vita, and a few and and select Sony and Samsung smart TVs. But they stopped providing supports to the uh, support to the PS3, Vita, and uh, uh, Sony and Samsung TVs. That's going to be, I think, they're going to withdraw support from August, if I'm not mistaken, or earlier. I could be wrong. Uh, and now it's just mainly PC and PS4, and. Uh, That's what I found weird, right? Because you'd want your streaming service like this to be on everything. But Sony's reason at the time was uh, we want to provide more value and coordinate our efforts better. And the end result is PS4 games are now going to be playable via PS Now on PC and PS4. So which means is as a PS4 owner, you have three options to play your games. You pick them up on disc like a good, like a normal human being or you download them with a if you have a fast enough internet connection or uh, you use, or if you're living in the future where uh, 5 Mbps is your minimum internet speed, you can use PlayStation Now to. And if you stream. live in one of the like three or four supported countries. Yeah, so you know that that's the thing, and uh, so so what this essentially means is if you have a PC and if you have a fast internet connection and if you have access to PS Now, I'm not sure so sure if it's DRM locked or sorry region locked at this stage. I'm not sure. Uh, you'll be able to in the near future play. PS4 games on your PC via streaming. Uh, it's an interesting experiment. Uh, to me, it seems like the last last roll of the dice because uh, off late, we haven't seen streaming services for gaming catch up to the length they should have been. NVIDIA has done a decent enough job through Shield and through uh, uh, you know their offers with the GeForce Grid, but then no one's managed to hit mainstream penetration and I think that's still going to take a while. A long time. Yeah. yeah. But and Sony's bought Gakai. Gakai was the company responsible for OnLive, mm. and uh, I think it's just a way to show the fact that okay, this tech will be put to some use. Um, what's worrying to me is that 
this could be misleading for consumers because they they might just suddenly believe that hey i don't need to buy a playstation 4 i'll just play everything on pc but the fact of the matter is sony's not going to release everything immediately if you if you think you can play uncharted lost legacy same day on both i don't think that's going to be the case no like they'll start with nack and killzone shadowfall and probably a few of the launch titles from third party publishers once they strike deals with them uh and plus like uh everyone's underestimating the region thing they it's only open to like i think uk us and one or two european countries that's it and it's expensive it's 10 dollars a month as of now and the other thing is a lot of there've been a lot of people in the comments saying stuff like oh bloodborne on pc can't wait uh guys are you aware of a thing called latency for a game like bloodborne a, a split second reaction time can mean life or death so if you think it's going to work perfectly there's a reason why sony's doing internal testing because they're not sure themselves it'll happen this year for sure when it happens we don't know yeah we will see so that brings us to the most interesting segment of this podcast which is what we've been playing in the past week how self indulgent of you <laughs> <laughs> mike you want to go first i've been playing this interesting new multiplayer game called overwatch have you guys heard of it no man never heard of it okay no 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 so i've been playing overwatch but no moving on to the more interesting game so near automata <laughs> so unlike rishi i actually waited for the indian release <laughs> so i've been playing it what nearly 20 days later <laughs> and uh, it's basically the sequel to metal gear rising i always wanted with a better looking protagonist no offense to raiden yeah you want to give an nf uh, nfsw warning right here nfsw oh nsfw sorry are we getting a new need for speed this year <laughs> yeah <laughs> according yeah. to several rumors yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah basically uh, just happily go on google image search and type <laughs> near automata and uh, you'll see what the game is about with safe search off <laughs> so important question are you playing it with japanese voice overs or english no i'm playing it with english voice overs why because i give a shit about what i listen to but then you have subtitles so so if i wanted to read i'd read a book <laughs> this is point no the english voice overs are really good and because uh, uh, i i believe the music uh, the language for used in the soundtrack changes depending on the voice overs because uh, the main theme in the game has two or three different languages so i don't know which version is plays when you play in japanese so i'll probably end up replaying this game multiple times like i did with revengeance so unless there's an annoying boss like in revengeance that stupid helicopter helicopter so, yeah it was the it was just the most filler thing ever but the helicopter was easy the, 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 it was just filler but the boss everyone hated in revengeance was the senator at the end toward the senator boss fire the senator armstrong So, so how that was the best boss fight. It had the best song also. True, but then you know how people are like. But you know what? In the end, it had to be this way. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> song lyrics, well played. So yeah, yeah. basically, near uh, automata, and uh, obviously Binding of Isaac on iPad. So what about you, Pranay? Yeah, so I've been playing this game called the Battle of Polytopia, which I may not have mentioned in the last episode. <laughs> No, I mean uh, games. I'm addicted to. Aside, I've been playing this uh, party game called Psych. It's available on iPhone and I think even on Android. I'm not sure. Okay. I was playing with four people who had iPhones, and uh, basically what you do is all four of you install this game, and then you uh, start one of the mini games inside. So, for example, there's one about animals. So in that, it'll ask you what a particular animal's uh, female is called or a group of animals is called. For example, it's a pride of lions. Everybody knows that. So it'll say, "What's the group of lions called?" The, the everybody will be asked to feed one answer. So you can say whatever. It's called cows. It's called uh, I don't know a group, a uh, pride or whatever. And 
the game automatically feeds all these answers in and it will also feed the correct answer so four people are playing there will be five answers for you to choose from so just tap the one you think is correct so if you get it right then you get some points and if you get it wrong then you got psyched so it's a fun party game uh, where you can easily trick your friends and you can put up random silly answers which they will end up selecting if they don't know which happens quite a lot so it's a, a lot of fun to play if you are in a group and don't know what to do but the only problem is it needs a working internet connection ah oh. so that means that so you know so it's a ubisoft game <laughs> one of brothers close enough <laughs> but that's that's actually cool to see party games evolve onto smartphones Yeah I mean, it is it's not a new game at all okay. uh, it's been there for a while my friend just introduced it to me i thought it was uh, pretty cool i just wish it had some kind of an offline component in it mm-hmm. uh, but because it's always online we were playing it in a place where there was spotty internet it used to keep switching from 2g to nothing and sometimes even the wifi would go down so it was a bit of an irritation but other than that yeah great game to play rishi interesting so i've been playing legend of zelda uh, reviews up on that and i've been playing this strategy role playing game called Disgaea 5 uh which is pretty crazy because if you get far enough in the game you can start tweaking and bending the fabric of every stat and gameplay mechanic ranging from your the experience you get all the way up to character score attributes it's quite deep and it's quite a lot of fun to play and uh, i've been playing it on the switch there are one or two low resolution uh character designs oh that's say. that's the standard thing in the franchise it's been there from the start till now oh. it's something they refuse to change for some reason where the backgrounds and all the the environmental art looks good yeah. but the characters themselves look like they're from last gen for some reason yeah so like it, it's yeah. it's but it, but here even on the sm- even on the switch in handheld mode it's one or two characters that just seem to pop out cuz they're low res okay for some weird reason but the game itself is pretty pretty good the story is complete fan fiction and like like it's like someone went on an anime forum and just wrote fan fiction and someone from NIS Nipponichi decided to say hey, let's put this in disk yeah it's it's pretty random but it's fun to play it's it's absolutely fun that's been basically consuming my waking hours uh yeah that yeah all right so i think that's about all we have for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week in the meantime please don't forget to rate us on itunes it really helps us a lot and you can follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 the music for this podcast comes via magnus solai polson his album ppp ppp which is a soundtrack for the game vvvvvv is where we get the tracks from 